All right, so we started. Uh, uh, Dr. Pariwal, let me start with asking you a very simple question about Afghanistan. Uh, what are your two predictions of what is going to happen uh, in Afghanistan now that the Taliban is almost in power over the next 30 days? What do you expect to happen in the next one month? First and foremost, this will have a, first and foremost, thank you for having me here. Uh, for this conversation, Kabir, and thank you for the question. And I think in the next one month, I think we'll see two things happening. We'll see a lot of diplomatic activity between the Taliban and its and its international kind of the interlocutors it's engaging with, whether it's the Chinese, the Pakistanis, its regional neighbors and beyond, in which uh, the Taliban would seek more diplomatic political concessions uh, from these countries, and they will that's the one thing that they would do. And the secondly, second thing that I see happening is intense negotiations within Afghanistan between the Taliban and various interlocutors, uh, you know, whether it's President Karzai, former President Karzai, and all these uh, factions, so to say, who were not part of the Taliban earlier, but are now trying to curate surrenders uh, with the group. And what role they would have in a government in the making you know that is that is going to be the these are the two big questions on which we would perhaps see movement in the next one month in my view right and you know this all sounds like a lot right so you're handling sort of or the taliban is going to handle uh, a sort of quasi foreign policy uh, moving towards uh, a potential uh, legitimacy for its own government, whatever that is going to be, then they also have to handle a lot of this domestically, uh, you know, uh, negotiating with a lot of factions, as you just mentioned. Uh, do they have the capacity to actually pull this off? Given the way they were able to sweep over Afghanistan over the last couple of weeks, Kabir, I think they might just have the capacity to pull this off simply because of the fact that most regional powers as well as their domestic opponents don't have the psychological bandwidth to to stand their ground beyond a point. And because this is a very powerfully armed outfit, which is using threats quite actively, even in a domestic context till now. So it's not necessarily the, the acceptability quotient of the Taliban that will go up, but because they still retain considerable threat value for their opponents, we might see a lot of compromise being done by those figures who have previously opposed the Taliban even violently. We can see a lot of surrender deals even in Nangarhar, former uh, power broker Gulaga Sherzai, who had been very anti-Taliban for a long time, was one of the most important operational ally of the Central Intelligence Agency, the Americans, uh, during the war, cutting a deal with the Taliban. So I think certainly, you know, relatively speaking, the Taliban has demonstrated both the will and the capacity to do it. Whether it will be sustainable or not, whether it will have, uh, you know, the capacity to with, you know, withstand domestic shocks um, and a lot of economic turmoil that Afghanistan is facing at the moment, that I think perhaps is a much more uh, troubling question and much more perhaps pertinent as far as even Taliban's calculations goes rather than just getting all these factions to work in some sort of a loose constellation in Kabul. Right. And let me, I think that's a really good word uh, or term we used here right now called uh, uh, sustainability. 
And uh, let me paint this slight picture here. So uh, let's take Kabul, for example. And we saw that over the past couple of four or five days, uh, under the euphoria of the, of the Western evacuation that is happening, which is grabbing most of the headlines, there was a sort of tussle in Kabul of who will control the capital city as far as the security apparatus goes. And beyond that as well, a lot of the, you know, the narratives that are coming out of the Taliban, uh, whether it be from the press conferences or the massive PR push that they are sort of orchestrating both in mainstream media and otherwise, uh, has seen a, I mean, you can sense a sense of, uh, of uh, non-committal views coming from certain uh, Taliban uh, leaders, let's say, such as the governor of Kandahar, uh, on issues such as, on ideological issues, such as, let's say, education or music and so on and so forth, that had been banned under the previous Taliban completely. But this Taliban seems to be much more accommodative. How do you see this play out in the long term within the Taliban? Is, is, is there a sense of, once the foreign soldiers leave, is there a sense of commonality uh, that is going to continue in the time to come? I think there are two aspects to, to this. I think one is the ideological aspect as far as freedoms and media and expo media exposure goes and the utility of the media goes. Uh, and the other question is, of course, the instrumentalities of it. Right? I think what we are seeing today when different Taliban figures are being more accommodative of popular media, they are allowing Tolan News to operate freely. You know, They have asked some media organizations to not uh, have women employees, but some other media organizations, they have not pressed too hard on these issues. I think you can see, first of all, there is a commonality of interest across, and an appreciation of this commonality across the Taliban uh, 